podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I'm Tom Holmes. Joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm looking forward to the game at the weekend and obviously a positive result against Bournemouth. Um, how are you? Yep, all good down my end as well. Just had my, just, well, I'm in, in the middle of a week off, which is always nice getting a bit of, uh, getting a bit of sun as well because it's actually not horrendous British weather, which is always a nice change. And joining myself and Leanne this week, we've got two fantastic guests. First off, we've got Sam Evans. Sam, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Tom. Uh, pretty much hard to think of anything else but the Champions League semi-finals at the moment. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, also joining us this week is Joe Norton. Joe, how are things down your end? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, Tom. Hard not to do you happy when the uh, weather's as good as it is at the minute. Yeah, when the weather's good and the boys are playing well, everyone's happy. And we are going to kick off with one particular red who is in really hot form, especially after that Champions League uh, games and it's Alex Oxo Chamberlain because Sam, you've written an article on on the Ox. If you want to get us underway just by sort of introducing us to the article, giving us a bit of a talk through what your thoughts and thought process was and what your main takeaways from the article are. Yeah, um, well, the article uh, is up now. It's called the the perfect clock midfielder, referring to Ox. Um, basically, his current form. I mentioned it on the uh, post match. Uh, on the Nina Kauza show after the Bournemouth match. Um, his form is just excellent at the moment, and I just wanted to kind of draw a comparison to, to the guy who was starting to really stagnate at Arsenal um, after five years at the club, compared to the guy we are now seeing just a year later. Um, so, yeah, basically that's it, and it kind of goes through a couple of basic stats and things and just uh, tries to emphasise the importance of his direct running in this Liverpool side in the middle of the park. Yeah, cool, good stuff. And um, Joe, what were your takeaways from the article? Uh, Do you think it was a good article? And uh, obviously, what are your thoughts on Oxley chamberlain at the moment? Yeah, I thought it was a really good article. I thought it was a sort of nicely summed up sort of all the attributes that uh, Oxley has, not just talking about sort of... Um, him now starts to chip in with a few more goals and assists and really contributing to that attacking unit. But also the work rate he does off the ball and uh, obviously with the great work Gags, Gags did with the pressure, pressing under, uh, under pressure of seeing that Oxlade-Chamberlain is one of the best best at pressing and fitting into the system and just how powerful and quick he is it makes him in the perfect midfielder not only in an attacking sense but being able to press and be part of that defensive unit which I think against teams like City uh, where we've had to sit in, be hard to beat, particularly the second leg, but also required that bit of burst of energy and t- change of pace, particularly as we saw sort of at the end of the first half in the second leg at City, and then a bit more um, in the second half when the Ox set up, um, fed the ball through to Marnie, which led to the Salah goal. We're really still seeing both sides of Ox's game, and I really do think all his attributes present him perfectly to being being a very good uh, midfielder under Klopp and I think he can only only really get better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Sam, I'll go back to you for sort of the first sort of talking point from the article, which is you mentioned at the start you wanted to compare him to, to how he was at Arsenal. How much do you think he's moved on since he was playing for Arsenal and how 
bigger factor of that do you think is his positioning or do you think it's mostly down to Klopp? Yeah, a combination of the two really. I think that in the article I kind of mentioned that you see guys with his technical abilities uh, regards to you know sprint speed and, and running with the ball. They often get thrown out into wide positions in teams and it, it seems that he's someone who's always seen himself as a central midfielder despite that. Um, I think there were some interviews uh, a while back, uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was basically saying that he saw himself as a central midfielder and, and running through the middle and scoring goals. And it's not really some, <clears throat> something that Arsenal gave him a real shot at. Um, so I think it, it's understandable then that he started to regress under Arsene Wenger. So it, it really becomes apparent then why he was so keen to come across to Liverpool and, and to work under Klopp. So I can imagine that might have been one of the selling points with Klopp, that he was giving him an indication that he'd be getting a role in the centre of the park rather than out wide. And, you know, we, we all know about Jurgen Klopp. He's the kind of manager that that tries to breed as much confidence as he can in his players. And, you know, Ox was looking like a lost soul at Arsenal by the end. You know, you could see his ability was there, but it was there was no real direction in his game. Now under Klopp, you're seeing a guy that when he gets the ball, he knows exactly what he wants to do. He seems to be following the plan exactly. Uh, as you said, uh, Gags chipped in with some uh, pressing stats in the article as well. And that just shows that, you know, a lot of people might have thought he was, you know, just a, a winger. You know, he hasn't got a work rate and he can't fight for the team. Well, I think some of those stats might be highlighting that he actually has a lot more to his game than we maybe once thought. Okay, that's all some really good stuff. I mean, we'll come on to some of the more specific about Ox's game in a minute. But for now, Joe, um, how how well do you think Klopp has managed Oxide Chamberlain? Because for many, it was a case of he might take a while to get embedded in, especially with no with no full preseason. So it has taken a while for us to see the best of Oxide Chamberlain. But how well do you think that Klopp has done at keeping him, keeping you know, keeping him fit, keeping him on the ball, and sort of get, getting more and more out of him as the season has gone on? Yeah, I think to, at the start of the season, there was a lot of question marks about whether it was going to be worth worth the price we paid. Uh, obviously, with the inflated market, it's difficult to compare. Uh, but I think a lot of people recognise that Ox did have a lot of the attributes that Klopp liked. Uh, however, he, he, although he did play a few games in midfield for Arsenal, obviously the two systems are very different and Klopp is so specific about what he wants from a player in each and every position that he does require them to sort of have a lot of time on the training ground to really learn uh, not just what he wants to, wants to do with the team off the ball in terms of pressing and the shape he wants them once once the team's beat the press or when we're trying to sit slightly deeper um, but also how he how he wants the midfielders to contribute to the attacking attack and build up playing against a low block he has quite specific patterns of play he likes to see from his team and it takes a while to, to learn that I think a lot of uh, rivals, rival supporters were quick to point out that Ox hadn't been playing much at the start of the season and that it was a waste of money. Uh, when a lot of Liverpool fans who particularly had a lot of belief in Klopp and Chamberlain but always thought that it'd take a bit of time for him to bed in, which it did. Um, his first couple of games probably weren't quite as good as uh, Ox would have wanted but now we're really sort of seeing the reward of Klopp being patient with him and us being patient with him as supporters and the work he, Klopp's doing with him on the training ground really seems to be paying off. In terms of his uh, management, uh, I think Klopp's been a brilliant uh, manager in game time. We've not really seen Ox play 
more than about one game in a week. Uh, apart from pretty much last week was probably about the first time we've seen 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 him play uh, more than a game in a week because that's probably, in my opinion, his biggest question mark is can he become that bit more durable so Klopp can rely on him more often. Because um, obviously with the likes of Henderson and Lallana, we have got uh, quite a few midfielders who are quite injury prone. Um, so if Ox can become that bit more durable, uh, like we've sort of seen seeing this season, he can start to play sort of two two games in a week, probably not uh, all the time, but more on a more regular basis. Then I really think Ox will become sort of a vital player in the in our team going forward uh, next year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting points that have sort of been picked out, already sort of flitted out in the discussion that were, were in the article. I do think in one respect, his his sort of development has mirrored to an extent Andy Robertson, a left-back, how he didn't really, everyone was sort of questioning the buy at the start of the season, especially after Moreno got a long game in. But the longer, the more we've started to see the season develop, Robertson, I think maybe more than Oxlade-Chamberlain, they've both sort of developed into key players in their specific roles and they've both developed into really important players for the side. Um, Leanne, I'll jump to you now because I want to, pick up one thing that has been kind of mentioned a couple of times we haven't really discussed in full which is the press um, obviously we know Oxley Chamberlain is really really good at pressing that's you know that's not the red but how important is he to the press do you think how crucial is it that we have someone like Oxley Chamberlain that can fill the Lalana role in that pressing especially with Lalana um, not really available to play many minutes at all this season I think it's really crucial I think um, he sort of brought something to the midfield that we've basically been lacking prior to him coming and it's basically comes down to his movement and his energy um, on the ball and particularly off it. You know, we're talking about the demands of the Jurgen Klopp player and how Jurgen Klopp was looking at Chamberlain uh, before he bought him. And I was one of the people that thought, you know, this is a player that could sit in this Liverpool side. He could work because of his tireless work rate off the ball. And I think we've just seen that. And it's testament to him, really, that that stood out to me and to many other Liverpool fans just as much as his increasing goals contribution and, and assist contribution. Because when you're in that midfield and you're playing for, for a German manager or, you know, anyone in the Premier League particularly, there, there's a lot of players who they have to do a certain amount off the ball. And if they can't do it, then they won't hack it in the Jurgen Klopp system. We've seen that with a number of players. And he's done really well. You know, he offers the defensive cover. He offers something going forward and he just offers sort of an overall blanket. And I think that's, that's very, very crucial to the press. And it's, it's something that's, as I said, it's really, really stood out to me. And, um, it, it also comes down to his sort of injury record as well, because the demands and the rigor of what he's being asked to do in that midfield week in, week out, particularly in the Champions League when you're, you know, facing the semi-finals and the quarter-finals against world-class opposition and he's doing it and that's sort of I know it's maybe a little bit too early to say but it does put to bed this idea that he's unreliable I would say maybe not quite as strongly as that it, it hasn't been too long and as I think it was Joe said he is being managed by Klopp but you know it, he's contributing so heavily to the press that it does pose the question are the injuries behind him? And hopefully the answer is yes. But yeah, in terms of the press, he's been absolutely crucial and he's doing a great job in the midfield that's really, really benefiting from his movement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll come on some some of more what Ox offers on and off the ball in a minute. But one thing that's been highlighted now by a couple of people, which I think is we can't really ignore any longer, is the question of injuries. Is the question of, is the, is Oxley chamberlain a player that we can rely on going into, going into you know, next season and beyond? Um, and I'll jump back to you on this with Sam Singh as it's your article. What do you make of Oxley chamberlains injury situation? Because it's clear 
that Klopp has been managing him because of those injuries. It's been, it, you know, that, you know, and the fitness demands of someone of Oxley Chamberlain, as we've already mentioned, energy, his pressing, he covers a lot of ground, he presses quite a lot. So the demands on the body for someone like that who has an injury issue, that must have been something that Klopp has been bearing in mind. So do you think that his injury issues are behind him? I know this is maybe something that is a bit more of a question for someone like a Cybranich who deals with this sort of thing, but do you think yeah. that we can start to see him developing into this player without having to think about managing more? Or is it the case that because of his injury history, we are going to have to always have an eye on that while we're looking at managing his minutes over the course of a season, especially more than maybe necessarily over the cup, over a couple of weeks? Yeah, well, I think Klopp's been doing it for the whole squad, really. You know, he, he's, he seems to have learned from his previous season uh, where at the start of the season he started with extremely heavy rotation and, you know, it, it, it should suit players like Ox for us to actually take that kind of approach. Uh, you know, especially, as you said, with the kind of play that Liverpool like to have, which is the explosive nature of it, the insane amount of work rate that the players have to make, uh, you know, the amount of pressing that we're getting Ox to, to actually do in the team. But, you know, if you look at the amount of minutes he's, he's played this season, it's right up there with the most he's ever played in a season in the whole time he was with Arsenal. So it's, it's looking by the end of the season, he, he might actually top his, his best ever minutes. So the, the indications are that he is improving in that sense. Um, I'm touching wood fiercely as we speak because uh, you never know what's around the, around the corner. But, you know, he, he seems to be an extremely fit individual. Um, he, he seems to have been managing to avoid these niggling injuries that have been plaguing his career before now. So, it, you know, it looks like they've got some sort of plan in place for him to, to manage his issues. So fingers crossed they can just continue now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the minutes, the, the question for me is whether or not he'll be capable of produce, of increasing those minutes again next season, because this season he's yeah. delivered 2,000 minutes in across all the competitions. Net, whereas we've got Mo Salah and Firmino who are doing over three and a half thousand, so we are yeah. going to need maybe to maybe to get another third out of him next season potentially, which would be an, another big step up. And that for me is the big question whether or not he can go and become a regular starter. But that would lead on to my next question, um, Joe, which I'm going to jump to you on this one, which is: Do you think that Oxley Chamberlain's role in this side next season will be as a maybe not a first teamer, but as a regular starter, as someone that we're looking to play every week, if not twice a week? Or do you think that with the likes of Naby Keita coming in, potentially more additions to that midfield, he might have to settle for a similar role to what he's played this season, which is, as a rotation option, certainly one of the players that we would look to in big games, but maybe not necessarily uh, the first name on the team sheet? Yeah, I think there's every chance that we probably will see him more as a regular regular start. I think that would be dependent, like we've talked, uh, on sort of how durable he is and how his body reacts to probably quite an intense summer with England, which is perhaps my main concern. If Southgate, which it looks like he is, does look to sort of favour him in midfield, then there's every chance, unfortunately, he's going to have to play a lot of uh, football in a short space of time, uh, which could really sort of affect his body, if not um, in the tournament going through to next season. So that's a bit of a concern for me because we know sort of the international teams don't usually manage uh, players as well as a sort of a club manager would do. So that'd be a concern. But uh, going back to our midfield for next season, I think there's every chance we will see him as a regular starter. I think we will have a lot more options, as you said, with Kate coming in and perhaps uh, another addition, more attacking. There will be a lot more competition for places. But I think because of how well-suited Chamberlain is to that midfield, I could see 
as having sort of a first choice midfield uh, when everyone's fit of a perhaps a new number six unless Chan Chan stays and then Cater and Ox be such a dynamic midfield to have uh, you got the sort of more uh, sort of defensive sound Cater uh, who can also dribble with midfield and be a really creative influence uh, from midfield and then that sort of power real power and strength in midfield that Ox I think uh, midfield so those to have in Cater and Ox as a two box-to-box midfielders is something that should really excite fans. Yeah, I sort of think that dynamic duo between Oxley chamberlain and Cater should really, really excite fans. You've got that um, power, power of Ox, uh, who can look to be a driving force in midfield. And obviously with Cater being that sort of slightly more defensive, but has the ability to break lines. And that should really, really, really excite fans. Um, I don't necessarily think that uh, we'll sort of see him being a nailed on, nailed on starter because we're going to have so much, um, games, uh, with us being in Europe next season. So he might not be nailed on, but I can definitely see when everyone's fit that Klopp will look to use Oxley Chamberlain and Case as much as possible going forward next season. One question that does maybe pop out of this discussion, and I'm going to ping this one to Julian. Do you think it's maybe possible that Cater and Oxley Chamberlain are maybe too similar in the sense that they both offer a lot to this midfield, but is what they offer to this midfield a bit too similar in terms of power and dribbling through the midfield? And maybe we need to balance out the midfield maybe a little bit more. I mean, obviously, Oxley chamberlain is pretty solid defensively. He offers a lot of energy and he offers some attacking play. But do you think that maybe someone like maybe Oxley chamberlain and Cater would be too much of a similar thing? Or do would you like to see maybe a bit more balance in that midfield? I think it's, a, it's an interesting question and one that does heavily rely on who makes up that third player in the midfield. Um, but I, I wouldn't say so, no. I think they can work together, um, particularly because of Oxley chamberlains defensive contribution. As you say, he tracks back, he works hard, and you've got that raw power, as Joe said, in the midfield. So if you've got someone like that alongside Cater, who, again, he has that defensive contribution to his game, yes, they both drive forward pretty similarly. They add that creative spark. But I don't think that's sort of a, a negative. I think they can both do sort of both jobs at both ends of the pitch and can work together. Um, it sort of reminds me of a discussion we had a while back. Um, I think we were having a, somewhat of a midfield crisis and we were talking about how Lolana could potentially fulfil a role alongside Coutinho and potentially was that too attacking? Were they too similar? And I think in that case they were. Lolana potentially, as we've seen, he has, hasn't has really got the legs as he used to, so he doesn't really have that defensive nature to his game anymore. And someone like Coutinho doesn't ever track back. Um, but Oxo Chamberlain and Cater, they're both players who do have sort of defensive diligence and they would work hard. And I think sort of a midfield of those two would work well at both ends of the field. So, you know, it doesn't really sort of concern me. Um, looking forward to, to next season. I do think Oxo Chamberlain will stay inside <clears throat> despite Cater coming in. Um, and, you know, if we get someone in a defensive midfielder, if Emery Chan does leave, just to, act as a blanket in front of that back four, there shouldn't be any real problems. So one issue that has gone up that you uh, that you mentioned in the article, Sam, is the question of goals and assists, because ultimately any midfielder at Liverpool will have to produce some level of goals and assists, even with the front three playing as well as they are. And obviously Chamberlain's had a much improved season on that regard. He's uh, levelled his best season for goals and assists for Arsenal, and he's overall averaging the best minutes per goal and assist in his career. So do you think that um, this is one area of his game where he will continue to improve, or do you think this is one area of his game where maybe necessarily we might need to see a little more next season? 
he definitely needs to score more, um, you know, going forward. But we got to remember, he is still 24. He's been around so long that people, I think, seem to reckon he might be around the 27 mark. You know, he's, he's only 24. He's still developing. And in his first season at a new club as well, you know, there was a bit of a settling in period at the start of the season. But all of the indications are now that he is getting more and more confident and he's taking on more shots. So, yes, he does need to score more if he's going to remain a mainstay in this Jurgen Klopp side. But early indications this season are very, very good. You know, as you said, he he was at Arsenal, was it five, six seasons? And and he's coming up with his best numbers in his career in his first season with us. So he's on the correct trajectory to actually becoming more of a goal-scoring threat. Um, you know, regards to the whole Keita and him thing, I think they'd, they'd be ideal for each other anyway, because that's exactly what Klopp is after. Um, so, yeah, very, very happy with his progress so far. And just uh, a few more goals, and I think he will be absolutely ideal for us. Okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll let you have your final word now, Joe. And I just want to briefly touch on the issue of consistency, because this has been something that has a problem for him at Arsenal, where he'd go through good spells, and then he'd have a setback, either with injury or with a bit of form or maybe something with manager behind the scenes. So do you think that consistency is something that he's starting to tackle here? I mean, I personally feel as though in the last few weeks he's started to hit that plateau, but uh, I, I know I know throughout the season, for me, consistency has been one issue. So is that something that you feel he's started to address, or does he still have a little way to go on that front? Yeah, I definitely think he's starting to get there. There's Because he is now sort of starting to learn the way clock plays and the patterns of play we use, it's sort of becoming second nature. Uh, the way he has to play, so perhaps having to think about it less, which can only help help with consistency. Again, consistency will come from if you can stay fit, being able to stay healthy. That obviously means you can focus focus more on your game rather than trying to really have to manage your body body as much as uh, as much as you, uh, he might have to. So definitely, I think if you can uh, sort of continue working hard and training and learning, Klopp's. Um, Klopp's training ground um, processes, uh, and he can stay fit. Then there's every chance that we will we'll see a better and more more rounded and more consistent Oxley Chamberlain uh, going forward into next season and beyond. And if he can do that, then I've got no reason why he can't can't score more goals and create more assists and start influencing games on a more regular basis. So I definitely think the future's bright uh, with Chamberlain in in our midfield and under Jurgen Klopp. Okay. Uh, and I'll give I'll give anyone who wants to jump in a chance to say any final words they have on this Oxley Chamberlain topic before we move on. I know Leanne, you've been keen to uh, rub rub his success in my face <laughs> all all the last couple of months. So anything anyone wants to jump in on before we move on? Yeah, just just sort of just to round things off. I I agree with what's been said. I think that it's important to note that this is still his first season at Liverpool, and we talk about him leveling his best tallies and achieving it at a best minutes per goal and assist ratio. So. If he's doing that this season, as, as Sam said, he's on an upward trajectory and that's only going to improve with the likes of Naby Keita coming in, adding that bit of creativity, that extra bit of spark. He's going to get more chances. And we've seen him step up in, in really, really big games this season, particularly against Man City. So I think credit where credit's due, he's doing very, very well and he's proving to people that all the fuss he made about being in this central midfield position, he is actually very, very equipped to do so. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I'm I'm really enjoying the progress that he's made. I think he's made a lot of progress this season. The big question, the big question still for me is, I'd like to see him maybe 
come back from a setback. I'd like to see something, not maybe, no, not like to see something bad happen, but I'd like to see how he reacts to maybe a bad performance or a poor, poor run of form or even a small injury. Hopefully not. Hopefully we don't see him get a big one, but I'd just like to see how he reacts to something like that and bounces back. But I think it's clear for me at least that the, the impact Klopp is having on him in terms of, uh, motivating him, in terms of getting the best out of him, I think is, is clear for everyone to see. So we'll move on to talk about Jorginho Vinaldum because he is the, um, the other subject of the article this week. And it was Joe, of course, you who wrote on Vinaldum. So I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, just, uh, you know, set the tempo. T- tell us about your article and uh, your thought process with regards to Genie and anything that you wanted to pick out. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a pretty, pretty obvious article to write, really, after uh, Wijnaldum, um sort of played in the number six, both against Everton and in that crucial game, game against Man City. And I think it's sort of a discussion we've had a lot on this pod and uh, people have had uh, on the website uh, and also just, just in general as supporters. So what is Wijnaldum's best position? Why does he sort of not influence games anywhere near as much as the other midfielders, even when they sort of set, uh, play in the similar positions to him? Uh, so it was quite interesting to see, obviously with uh, Chan, Chan being out and Henderson being suspended um, for for the second leg against Man City. Obviously, there's a lot of concern about what Klopp would do. Would he go with maybe a two-man midfield and try to protect protect the defence in that way? Or would he put, put faith in Wijnaldum, who... Um, before the Everton game and probably only played, I think in pre-season, he played one game in the number six. Um, so it's sort of interesting. To, I, I really like what Klopp did against Everton because the pressure was off, uh, with us having a bit of a, uh, gap between, between us and, um, Chelsea. Um, there was less pressure on us winning that game against Everton. So he could experiment a little bit, which is what he did. Uh, Henderson was obviously available for that and played in it. Uh, but Wijnaldum was the one. Was deploying that number number six almost as a dress rehearsal, even though Everton are completely on a completely different level to Man City. It still sort of gets you uh, in the similar position you're going to be in, be playing and sort of doing the right things and the sort of ask questions that you're going to be asked against Man City. So I thought that was really really clever from Klopp to do that, um, even though it's quite an obvious thing to do. A lot of managers probably wouldn't do it, uh, so I think Klopp deserves a lot of credit for how well he did do against Man City. I think overall, Wijnaldum has got a lot of the attributes needed to be good in number six. He's very, he's very aware of what's around him. Um, he's very difficult, uh, to dispossess off the ball. Um, I think I mentioned it in the article that he's got a pass completion rate of 88%, uh, which obviously doesn't tell the full story. Obviously, you've got to look into what type of passes a player's trying to make, um, and things like that to really sort of get a well-rounded view of how good they are on the ball. I think we saw against Everton and the sort of particularly in, in the second half against Man City that once Wijnaldum does get on the ball, even if a team presses him, he's very relaxed and composed, almost too composed perhaps for some supporters because he does perhaps take that extra touch uh, that Henderson wouldn't. But that's why we are able to play ourselves uh, out of trouble a bit better when Wijnaldum and Chan are playing in that number six because they are a little bit more uh, press resistant, if you like, and it really helps the team. Not only to take pressure off the defence, but start to build with counter attacks. Henderson's got a slightly worse pass completion rate of 84%, and Chan at 86, which sort of highlights how good one Adam is uh, at keeping the ball. And then in the defensive sense, uh, sort of Klopp, um, particularly last season and a little bit this season, has trusted him in big games in that more box to box midfield role because in high transition games, he is really like quite a brute force. 
old midfielder and is very hard to knock off the ball and wins wins his more physical battles than he loses, which against teams like Tottenham um, and United who are quite physically strong, you sort of need that more powerful influence which one Alden offers you uh, to find a bit more bit more cover for the defence. Um, and also, I was just sort of looking at the various different elements um, required to play in number six, um, which we'll go on to go on to discuss. I'm sure sure later on. It was sort of really good to look look at where he, he perhaps needs to improve going forward. If if we are to see Klopp use him a bit more, a bit more there in the future, I don't quite think that we'll see him used there on a consistent basis. But I definitely think like Gundogan, like Guardiola uses Gundogan, uh, Man City if. Fernandino, so our first choice number six, whoever that may be next season, um, is injured or needs resting, then it's good to see that we have got options in the squad who can fill in and do a really good job, which is what Wine Adam did both against Everton and Man City. Okay, really comprehensive overview there. Um, Sam, I'll go to you first then. Is there anything that you wanted to pick out from the article? What are your overall thoughts on the article? And of course, your overall thoughts on Genie playing as a number six. Yeah, I thought it was a really good article. Um, I actually gave Genie a bit of a shout out on the Nina Cows uh, show after the Bournemouth game. I I felt that a lot of players give him a bit of a bad, a lot of people rather give him a lot of bad press, and and they don't think he's contributing enough to the team, you know, especially in away games. So I, I was really happy to see his his last couple of performances in the sixth role. Um, within the article itself, I really liked uh, you got a little example in there of uh, when Robertson got in a bit of trouble and he, he didn't drop deeper to actually become the passing option for him. I, I don't know whether that was Genie kind of switching off because it's, it's, he hasn't been playing in the sixth role a lot recently so maybe he kind of forgot himself for a second there because he really should have you know helped him out a bit in that instance but in general you know I think Wijnaldum's actually played really well when he's dropped into that position and he's getting a lot more responsibility and he's having more of a chance to actually shine you know a lot of the work he's been doing this season has been work that a lot of people maybe wouldn't notice you know a lot more off the ball stuff so what I have liked about him in recent games is he's been receiving the ball with his back to goal uh, with a player pressing up against him, and especially against Everton, he, he was just managing to turn away and, and run with the ball, and that's something that you never see from Henderson. You know, Henderson's got the much better passing range, maybe, and, and he's a bit quicker with offloading the ball, but what I do like about Genie is his, his strength whilst in possession, his little bursts of pace to get past players, and you know his passing accuracy might be a bit safe, but, you know, he doesn't seem to lose the ball for us very often. So, um, at the moment, he, he's a very, very good squad player for us. I'm happy for him to stay next year. And if he can continue in this kind of vein of form, if, if, if and when we do get injuries to big players, I have absolutely no worries in putting him in in the big games. Okay. Good assessment. Um, so I'm going to start with, I'm going to go to you now, Leanne. I'm just going to ask, um, the, so we'll go to on the, on the ball stuff first. And there's, with Genie, there are, obviously we know what we're going to get from him in terms of strengths and weaknesses, and Sam's kind of picked up on it there. His, in the article, of course, it's mentioned his passing accuracy is obviously the highest of our midfielders. It's 88.9%, I believe, in the Premier League, which is the highest of anyone in our team apart from Van Dijk and Klavan, who obviously played significantly less minutes. However, if you go to look at his long ball percentage, for example, just as a, um, just as a quick point, he's, his long ball percentage is he plays one long ball per game compared to Henderson and Chan. Henderson's the highest in our team. He plays 5.4, 
and Emre plays 2.9. Obviously, that's indicating Eugenie's slightly different position in the squad anyway, so it's obviously harder to see whether or not that will transect into the six. But do you think um, Genie's passing game but his, and his overall ability to dominate games is suited to the number six role? Or do you think it's just a case that we haven't seen what he can do in that position yet in terms of on the ball? Yeah, I mean, before you were talking about the traits needed for the number six role, and I think one of them, crucially, <clears throat> is your ball retention and cycling that possession in order to keep the team on the front foot and keep you know, pressing forward. Um, obviously, you've got the offering the defensive blanket and needing the aggression to snap into tackles and things, but it is really, really key to have that ball retention, and I think that's why Klopp tried to utilise him in that number six position for the Champions League games against City. Um, and I thought he controlled the game really well, particularly at Anfield. Um, he dictated the tempo for us and he kept us going. Second leg, obviously more testing, uh, given the plethora of attacking options City had on that pitch. I think there were six or seven attackers at one point. So, you know, it was a very, very hard job for Genie and he was overrun a bit in, in the first half. Um, but he grew into it and again, he showed that ball retention and how good he is um, on the ball. Um, you're talking about long-range passing. That that's definitely something he needs to develop. So finding that ball to cut through the defences. You know, you look at Jordan Henderson and he does some really, really positive, really, really good, um, you know, switches of play, uh, long diagonal balls to the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold, which really sets us going. And that's something we don't necessarily see from Genie and something he'll need to develop if he is going to take up this number six position. Um, because although we have the likes of Salah, Mane and Firmino able to create their own chances, you do need that ability to quickly turn the ball around and to, to you know, go on the counter-attack. So that's something he needs to work on in terms of on the ball. Um, but when you're talking about, as, as Joe mentioned in his article, there's so much positivity in his ball retention and he's so good in possession that he does definitely have the traits to fulfil this number six role in the future. It's just now taking it to that next step, developing his long-range passing and Obviously, it's a small sample size at the moment, but with Chan out for the season, we're going to see more and more of him in that number six role, and, and hopefully he'll develop that passing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his range of passing is obviously one of the issues. I guess another one is 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 tempo, is is the number of passes that he has per game. And I'll quickly um, jump back to you on this one, Joe, because obviously it's your article. Um, in terms of number of passes, this is one issue that we've talked about with Genie before. He doesn't tend to get involved in the games enough. So, for example, Henderson plays. Uh, 76 passes, 76 and a half passes per Premier League game, whereas Genie only plays 35 and a half. So, in, on average, Henderson will play twice as many passes in a game as as Genie with with Emre much closer. And even Oxley Chamberlain, for example, will play more than um more than uh sorry, Ox actually plays less, but he plays. It's harder to get his numbers per 90 because obviously he plays significantly more games from the bench. So with Genie, he's going to be less of an influence in those sorts of games. Does he have the influential ability on the ball to play in the six? I think that, yeah, I definitely think like you've mentioned, that's something, that's something he's going to have to work on. A lot of, the, a lot of criticisms come his way and rightly so that he doesn't, he just doesn't demand the ball. He's in, he's a lot of the time he will take up decent positions. Um, but he's got to demand the ball and want to get on the ball. And at times it just doesn't look like he's interested. And if he's going to play in the number six and be effective there, then that's something he's really going to have to work on is, uh, although with Van Dijk uh, having such such a good passing range, there's perhaps less emphasis on the number six having to really get the ball off the centre half. It's still it's still a crucial position in Klopp's team at setting the tempo, like you said, and unlocking defences. So I definitely think if he want to, um, or if he wants to, and Klopp wants to see him in the number six more often, 
then we're going to have to see him demand the ball more often from from the defence. Um, and then, like you've said, he, at times he does take too many touches. Um, when he's playing against a low block, you want your number six to get the ball and move it quickly. Um, it's, there's not not it's not a bad thing to think about where the ball where the ball is going to go and take real care about it. But sometimes you just need that injection of pace, which both Henderson with his passing and Chan with his dri- driving from that position. We sort of see that intensity. So I think if, uh, like we said, going forward, we are to see him play there more often. That is something we, we need to see uh, Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum improve on uh, if he's, if he's going to be as effective as Henderson and uh, Chan are in that position. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the, the thing is, we've obviously talked about Wijnaldum what he, what how, uh, Sam, obviously you mentioned on the pod, he, the role he plays, he won't be able to necessarily play that role in the six, is what is m- maybe my concern. So I'll go to talk about what he does off the ball, because I think, Sam, uh, this is something that you've touched on as well. Um, do you think Vine, uh, that Vinaldum's got the defensive capability to be as, imp- as impressive in the six as Henderson and Emery have been there? Personally, I think he's, he's, to the eye, anyway, I haven't got the stats with me here, but to the eye, he seems to be better defensively than Henderson. That's just my opinion. You know, I think he appears to put a lot of work in and, you know, he, he tries to win the ball back. And actually, when he does, he just plays the simple pass. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to say, you know, I can understand why he gets a lot of the criticism because it seems a bit basic what he's doing sometimes. You know, it's not, not anything particularly flash or, anything that's going to create a goal necessarily, but it is something that creates the actual foundation for a counter-attack. So I think he puts in a lot of hard graft. I'm finding you notice him a lot more now in this sixth position. So I don't know whether that's the reason why we're seeing a bit of an upturn in his form is is because of that. And we know that it's not really something that He's going to continue in this season. If Henderson's fit, he's probably going to move position again or be on the bench. So, uh, all in all, I think defensively he is sound. And, you know, when he's in the team, I'm not really worried about him. Okay, fair enough. And the other issue that obviously was mentioned in the article is what he's like out of possession. So, in terms of positioning, which is obviously something that Joe highlighted as being a potential issue in the article. So, Leanne, do you think that positionally, Jeannie's still got a lot to learn if he's going to make that, that spot one that he can accompany when we need him to? Yeah, I think um, Joe pointed it out really well using an example with Robertson where it just needs a little bit of communication now and a little bit of awareness from Genie to step back and allow Robertson into the space in the midfield. So there is definitely some developing to do there. But as I said before, we're talking about a very, very small sample size. It's, it's just Everton and the two games against Man City, really. So I think if we're looking towards the end of the season where he's played a couple more games in that position, particularly the semi-final, if Klopp ops for Vinaldum in the number six role, which I think he will. Um, that will really be the true test of whether he's capable of fulfilling this role in the future. Um, because I think with Cater coming in, there has been a lot of question marks about where Vinaldum fits in. Because we, as we talked about Oxley Chamberlain there, you're not going to have a midfield of Vinaldum, Oxley Chamberlain, and uh, Navi Cater. You're not going to have a, well, personally, I wouldn't put Vinaldum in the team. Um, you know, unless it's in the number six role. So in terms of him individually, he needs to make it work and he needs to develop that positioning and he needs to develop that communication uh, with his teammates. But that's something he will get the chance to work on with Emery Chan being out for the rest of the season, potentially. Um, so that's when we'll get a great chance to see how he develops and how he really thinks about 
that that role and if he can make it work. Um, yeah, positionally he does definitely have some developing to do. Long term passing, uh, long range passing. Sorry, he does have developing to do. So he's not the finished article in that position yet, but you know we wouldn't expect him to be because it is a new role. Um, but all the indications are there that he can make it work, and and I hope he does because it it could well come down to you know Liverpool developing their midfield options this summer. Where does Genie fit in, and, and the number six role is his best chance? Okay, well I guess that's the question, and uh, I'm going to jump back to you on this one, Joe, because Leanne sort of touched on something I wanted to bring up anyway, which is looking ahead to next season, because obviously we know Liverpool are going to strengthen that option, the the midfield in in the summer with Genie and with a uh, navigator, sorry, coming in anyway. And we don't know what's going to happen with Emre Chan potentially. So assuming this, I mean, this is a big discussion we've been having all day on the WhatsApp. Um, assuming that Emre, Chan, assuming that Emre Chan leaves, do and Liverpool don't necessarily go and bring in an out and out number six. Could we see that Genie Vinaldum actually does take in the number six position next season? Is that something that you could see happening? And in, I suppose my question is, obviously the hi- highlight of headline of your article. Do you think? Playing Genie there would would have mean Liverpool wouldn't need to necessarily sign a number six in the summer. Yeah, I do. Uh, personally, I would like to see us sign sign another number six if Chan, if Chan leaves. I do think um, Henderson is is very good in that role, but he is limited against teams who press as high, uh, like we saw against Man City, Tottenham, uh, like we saw the se- severe game away from home. He had a pass completion rate, even though he had a bad day. It happens happens to the best players. He had a pass completion rate of 56.7%, which is, for a number six, is terrible. And he was a large reason, not the only reason, by any stretch of the imagination, why we struggled so much in that second half. He just didn't, um, he didn't keep the ball well enough. And then he sort of went into a shell and didn't, didn't get on the ball at all, which in Klopp's system, a number six cannot afford to do. Otherwise, the whole team just breaks down. Uh, so going forward, I do, I would really like to see sign another number six, because if we're going to sort of want to, Complete regularly in the Champions League and in the Premier League. We, I do think we need one, a top, a top number six in Europe. Um, and even though Wijnaldum has got all the attributes or a lot of the attributes required to be very good, I don't quite think he will get to the level we need him to be. Um, but I could certainly see him being, like we've talked about, I could certainly see him being used, used there in certain games. How often do we talk about it, especially on, under pressure, um, about horses for courses and against teams where uh, who want to press as high, perhaps like Roma, Roma will do. I can I think without a doubt Henderson will start in the first leg, uh, but in the second leg, I could potentially see Klopp, Klopp using Wijnaldum in that number six, just to sort of be a bit more of a calming influence on it. There'll be a hostile atmosphere away in Roma, and we perhaps need someone in number six who's got a bit more composure than Henderson. Uh, so I definitely think going forward, we could, could see Wijnaldum being deployed there more often, but I wouldn't like like it to be a long-term thing um, heading into next season and beyond. Yeah, so similar question to you then, Sam. Do you see Ginny being the sort of the break glass in case of emergency number six in the sense that against Man City, we only had three midfield options available in Wijnaldum, Milner and Ox, so we had to pick one? Or do you think that it's very much the case that Klopp We'll look at him as a as a potentially a number six next season. Looking at our midfield options, I mean, obviously, again, we've just got to wait and see who we sign in the summer, if anyone, and what happens to Emery. But do you think that's a potentially viable option? Yeah, I gotta agree uh, with Joel there. I think he, he's very much got to be the, the 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 fourth of the three midfielders. You know, I I'd, I'd like to think that he's not going to be our 
first choice six next season. You know, we, we should have a bit of cash to spend in the summer. You know, we've already got Navi in, but I do expect another central midfielder to come in if, if Emery Chan is to leave. So I, I'm more than happy to have him in, in the squad. I think he's a really good squad player. Uh, he seems to be a team player as well. And I think that's something really important in this Jurgen Klopp squad is that he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's, who's kicking up a fuss when he's not starting. He seems to be happy to play in the position that he's told to play. You've never heard anything bad said about the guy. He doesn't seem to be kicking up a fuss. So he's a, he's a perfect kind of guy to have in a squad where there's so many games in the season now, especially if we continue to be successful in Europe, that he's always going to get plenty of games in a season, even if he isn't first choice. And if that is the case, he's still going to get plenty of games. I'm still more than happy to have him in there. Uh, that's a big call with Joe there about playing him in the away leg, considering his reputation uh, to go missing in away matches. But I actually think that might be a bit of a myth. You know, he, just because he hasn't been standing out, I think maybe he's been given specific roles to play by Jurgen Klopp, which never help the guy stand out. Uh, maybe some of the stats aren't the best with him as well in those games. But personally, I think he, he's, he's playing an unselfish game for the team when he's doing that. So whatever happens, if he ends up playing in either of these Roma games, I'd be more than happy to see him there. As it goes into next season, I'd like him to be maybe less and less used in the team because I'm hoping that we might get ourselves a worldie in there. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's definitely a desperate need for a number six to come in. Um, I, I agree with Joe in that respect. Um, but in terms of looking to, towards the, the end of the season, which I think is sort of more of a poignant point to be making now, um, you know, Genie has got a role to fulfill, whether that be, as, as you said, Tom, the a breaking case of emergency glass role. Um, that's very, very much up to Jurgen Klopp because we've seen Henderson performing the role. I, I think he's very good. He gets a lot of sticker, as does Genie. Uh, but I think Henderson can do a, a very, very good role against Roma and looking particularly in that Champions League um, tie as well. But Genie, you need a second option and I think he's so slowly or at least starting to prove that potentially he could um, work in this number six role. There is developing to do, but you know it's an option for Klopp to explore if something were to happen to Henderson or if he wants to mix it up in in the away leg or or even the home leg. So it's always good to have options and adaptability. Um, but yeah, looking towards next season, I do think we, we still need someone to come in, assuming that Emery Chan is going out. And I know, obviously, Tom, you're a, you're a great fan of Emery Chan. So I'd be looking, particularly if Chan does leave, is Genie the man that can come in and fulfil that role? Uh, well, I'm still holding out hope Emery doesn't leave, because in my opinion, why on earth would Emery want to leave? That's the way I'm looking at it anyway. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think if you look at our midfield, we do need someone who can play in the number six. I increasingly am of the opinion we don't and won't go and sign an out and out number six because that's that. I, I said this last summer. I said, I said before last summer we weren't going to out and sign a number six in the summer because that's not Klopp's style. I don't think Klopp has signed, gone out and signed the number six at all. He's now had three. This is his third summer at the club and he's not given an even an indication that we've been even closely linked with an actual number six. All the plays he's gone after have been box-to-box midfielders. You look at Naby, you look at Ox, you look at Genie. They're all players who 
primarily play as number as number eights or as box to box midfielders. So I I do think we will see Klopp go out and sign potentially another box to box to play in the six. But I certainly think one thing Klopp is looking to do is kind of eliminate this six eight distinction altogether. Maybe that's something I have kind of seen him do in a few games this season, where you kind of have different players playing different roles in the midfield, but there isn't isn't necessarily one who's automatically deeper than the other two, as long as you've got the personnel to do it. And that's where someone like, I think, Naby, if you can get Naby and Emre in the same midfield, potentially with someone like Jorginho, you've got a lot of balance because any one of those can drop into the sixth role. So certainly, I think Genie would be one of those players that Klopp would be looking at and going, OK, can you drop into the sixth when I need you to? But I don't think that's going to be where his primary role is. And I mean, personally, I'm hoping Genie gets phased out of the team altogether next season. But then I was hoping that would happen this season. And since we didn't sign Naby and since Phil left in, the, in January, that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> that's pretty much my take on it. Um, I think we've pretty much covered it now. So if anyone else wants to uh, wants to jump in and uh, finish off this topic, they're more than welcome to. Just quickly, just a, a question just to anyone, really. Let's say Genie doesn't make it in the number six role. Do you think he has a role to play in this um, Liverpool midfield. I'm not saying we sell him if if the answer is no, um, but obviously as a starter for me personally, I can't see him starting even if he does somehow miraculously turn into you know the best number six ever in the last couple of games of the season. Um, is there a role for him to play with the likes of Navigator coming in and as we talked about earlier, Oxley Chamberlain? Where does he where you know where does he fit in? I don't see him as a starter now. So you know, <laughs> you know my answer to that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he'll be a regular starter uh, because he doesn't do 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 influence games enough. But I definitely think with the amount of games we're going to have next season, um, that he will be important. Um, I think it will perhaps depend on like we've talked about Ox's fitness. Uh, but I think I do think he gives us something in midfield that perhaps no other midfield Naby will probably bring it um, because he is just a, such a well-rounded midfielder but I, I, I still like to see him in big games I really do I think the uh, particularly ones that are high in transition I think he's perfect um, I thought he was brilliant in the uh, home uh, home game against Man City in the Premier League uh, games where sort of there's a lot of um, a lot of transitions like we said and he has to we rely on to on his winning physical battles I do think he has a big role to play in those kind of games uh, I think Naby will take without a doubt take his spot uh, in those games next season um, but if Klopp is thinking about managing his squad well um, I think Wijnaldum like we said is more suited to those kind of games so we might see um, depending on how durable Cater is and takes to his um, takes to his um, methods that we might see Genie still used in some big games next season I honestly wouldn't mind that because I do think he has an important role to play particularly in those games Okay, uh, Sam, is there anything you wanted to to say before we go, or do you, if you want to, you can jump straight into your plug? Um, yeah, just well, with, with the whole genie thing, just reiterating that I very much see him as a squad player next season, and I'm more than happy to keep him there as that. Uh, Klopp seems to like him as well, so I'd imagine you, you do need players like that around the squad, so hopefully he, he'll be around, but just as as a sub. Uh, regards to plugs, I haven't got anything about to come out, but just recently did the Nina Kauser show with yourself. Um, wrote that article on on the Ox, and recently put one up as well on James Milner called Half Man Half Machine. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sambo Evans. Okay, awesome. And Joe, is there anything you wanted to plug this week? 
Uh, I've not got anything in the pipeline at the minute, but I will be writing um, probably after the uh, uh, first leg of the semi-final. Any key key discussion points to come out of that? I'll uh, have an article coming coming up on that. So just looking forward to uh, first of all Saturday and then next week, and then hopefully uh, write a positive article and hopefully what's been another magical European night at Anfield. Yeah, I mean we're <laughs> we're, all, we're all hoping for that. And Leanne, is there anything you wanted to plug before we head off? Yeah, so I've got an article coming out in the next couple of days, hopefully, on Roberto Firmino, just basically talking through how he was unfortunate not to be in the PFA team of the season, a PFA Player of the Year award as well. So just this idea that he still remains one of the most underrated players, if not the most underrated player in the Premier League, despite sort of getting, he gets all the plaudits from all the, um, you know, the commentators and all the managers, but actually, if you actually look at the statistics and things, he's still really not being appreciated for the work he does. Um, so, as I said, that will be out in the next few days. Other than that, just keep listening to the to the writer's podcast, really. I bet you're one of those hits that he thinks Bobby should be our player of the season, aren't you? Um, I think that one has to go to Salah, surely, for <laughs> the, crazy, the craziness he's achieved this season. But I, I do think, um, and I do feel very uh, strongly, that Roberto Firmino is underrated. Um, vastly within the Premier League and um, yeah just generally yeah fair enough um, I've got a couple of bits out at the moment I've got an article on um, Mo Salah and just how many goals he's look- he'll be looking to score both at the end of this season whether or not he can match the feats of Rush Suarez etc but also next season whether or not he'll be able to keep up his scoring scoring form next season and I've also got one out at the moment on the midfield which is obviously pretty fitting considering this discussion and how I think at the moment I think all of our midfielders are kind of being underappreciated both in and both in, both in the Liverpool fandom and outside of it, I think a lot of people will just kind of look at a midfield of Henderson, Vinaldum, Milner and go, ugh, that's you know that's turgid, that's boring, that's nonsense, and they'll you know they won't and they'll say, oh, Klopp's done a miracle to get them where they are, which I think is just completely unfair on those three players, all of and and Oxley Chamberlain of course as well and Emery, all of whom have been absolutely excellent in the last few weeks, and I don't think you can have a team playing as well as we are without the midfield pulling their weight basically, um, so that's all from me, and obviously as Leanne said. Please do keep listening to this show. Uh, me and Leanne obviously put a lot of work into it and we really appreciate all the people who come on every week, everyone who we can't get on every week because there's always good articles out on the site. Um, and of course, thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for coming on, guys, and we will be back next week. Podcast Network.